Welcome to a new episode of Talking Rivals, a weekly show exploring everything about the best bleeping rivalry in baseball. Co-hosted by Patrick, covering the New York Yankees, and myself. Oh, I'm sorry. No. Co-hosted by Patrick, covering the Boston Red Sox, and myself, covering the New York Yankees. (laughs) Remember, you can follow us on Twitter, X at, at Talking Rivals. You can also find our podcast wherever you find your podcast at Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, and iHeartRadio. You can follow Patrick at Patrick Trotty. You can follow myself at CP7NY. And you could also find us at sportswireradio.org. And you can follow the station manager there, Thomas Bryce, at Thomas Bryce 2017 for all the other scheduling of the other great shows that are on there. So, Patrick, a not so busy week. We were yeah. waiting waiting it's the it's the big guy it's Yamamoto it's waiting on him he's kind of he's still meeting with teams and John Heyman is reporting that it could last for at least at least until Christmas maybe even New Year so another week or two um yeah it's gonna be a long week or two if not good that's the case right it's not good for baseball all this waiting, you know, there the, the should be action right now. This guy's getting signed. This guy's getting signed. You know, we waited a couple of weeks for Otani. Now we're waiting for Yamamoto. You know, I, I think it's it's ridiculous, you know, and we just said it before we came on, you know. How many big signings have there been so far? Yeah, it's, it's one-year deals with teams that, let's be honest, aren't going to, you know, compete for it title next year and then it's the mega deals and there's nothing in between and just a lot of waiting and I, I i agree i think they need to major league baseball needs to figure out a way to and i understand that it's a longer season so the off season it's different with baseball it always is somehow yeah. but <laughs> they have to do something free agency where it's a certain like three-week window, four-week window, whatever it is, just figure it out and get it done. Yeah, no, I agree. You know what? Early on, you had Aaron Nola. I, I actually forgot about him. I'm looking at the list now, but Aaron Nola signed early on, and then that was it, right? We waited for Otani. You got those few, like you said, the one-year signings. You know, you throw in Sonny Gray got signed. We kind of forgot about him, too, with the Cardinals. Aaron Nola feels like last year. It does. It does. I'm just looking at the list now. I'm like, oh, wow, that's right. He did sign right away. Um, I wonder, seven for 172. You think, um, not Yamamoto, he's going to blow that away, but you think Snell or Montgomery gets that? Snell's going to get more than that. Montgomery, I think you you sent something to me off the air about Montgomery wanting the Rodon deal, six for 162. Um, I think he'd fall right in there, Montgomery. But I yeah. think Snell's going to get more. I think four years, more money. Oh, okay. I could see Snell getting seven for two hundred. I mean, you won if you win multiple Cy Youngs. I think, like it or not, I think you got to pay a premium for that. Even though Montgomery can show what he's done in the postseason, what he's done in the American League, the American League East. I think a team is going to pay extra to Snell for those uh, 
the Cy Young Awards. Yeah, and we we went over it last week. You know, other than those two years, I mean, that guy's done just about nothing with his with his career. Yeah, it's it's very high risk, high reward. Is that two? It's two out of what? Two out of six years. Two out of eight. Two out of eight. So if he replicates that, if you sign him to a seven-year deal and he gives you two more Cy Youngs, yeah, sure. But how bad are the other seasons? Right. That's the problem. Are they injuries? Are you winning the title? Like, what is – I think whatever team signs him is just looking for some sort of consistency. He's averaging less than seven wins in in the six other years that he pitched. Yeah. Six wins. That's his average. And, I, you know, forget about innings pitched. In his two, I think we, we went over it last week. In his two Cy Young seasons, he, he had 180 and two-thirds in his first one. And in this, this past one, 180. Other than that, he's never gone over 129 innings pitched. Yeah, I think it goes back to the Tampa Bay effect. And we'll get into that with uh, Glass now. But that deal. And I I think if you're Snell's camp, you got to hold out for, not hold out, but I mean, between what Yamamoto gets, somewhere in between that and what Nola got. Closer to what Nola got, but I think he might get 200. It's just, it's crazy money. But And think about it, Glass now, before last year, last year he went 10 and 7. Before last year, his high win mark was six in a season. Yeah, he's never pitched above 120 innings. Yeah, that's it. Last last year it was 120. That was his most. Yeah. Before that, it was 111. And that was the only time he went over 100 innings. And he got what, five years, 135? Yep. Um yeah, I mean, pitching is at a premium. You're going to have to spend to those. That, that's why I think Montgomery, if I'm giving out 150 to 200 million, I'm giving it to Montgomery and not Snell. Yeah. I'm, I'm with mean, you. Snell might be, if you give them each six or seven year contract, similar amount of money, I think Snell, you can make the argument, would give you one or two peak years that are better. But I think the lows are going to be much lower. I think Montgomery is going to be consistently very good to good for six years. Snell, for six years, you're going to get, you might get a third uh, Cy Young, and then you might get, you know, everyone's prone to injuries, but you might get a six-win season, a seven-win season, and then, and you just can't afford that if you're paying $30 a year. And at least Montgomery, you know, he'll give you the innings at least. Yes. He may not be, you know. And he's not the big strikeout guy. So it's dependent on what team he goes to. You need a good defense behind him. But like I said, he's proven it in the American League. He's proven it in the AL East. And he's proven it in the playoffs. And the World Series. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, if, if he's your number three starter, number two starter, all right, that's not horrible. You know, that's a pretty good. Middle, you know, yeah, you'd like for him to be your number three and not your number one. So if he ends up being your number two, 
All right. You yeah. Do a lot I, more I think that's, I think on a, on a playoff team, he's a number two starter. Yeah. At on, on a title team, he's a number three. Right. Yep. That's, so. yeah. So that, that's why, and, and listen, and we're talking about Montgomery. He's probably going to get overpaid as well. Right. He's going to get paid like a number one ish starter, almost two. Yeah. So, but like you said, starting pitching is at a premium now. And when you look at now, now we look at what's left after Yamamoto goes, you know, you got Snell and Montgomery, but after that, because uh, Rodriguez signed with the uh, D-backs, right? Sonny Gray signed, you know, you, you're going to, your next big guy after those two guys are Stroman, um, the other Japanese guy, uh, Imanga. Yeah. Um, and then, Gilito, <laughs> right. And then after that, it falls off a cliff. It's yeah. a lot of guys that are one-year deals like Jack Flaherty type of contracts. Yeah, and you and look what you're getting. You don't know what you get in those guys. And Jack Flaherty got what 14 million from Detroit. Yeah, and that's that's uh, crazy. Today, yeah. what's his name? Uh, Martin Perez, right? He signed with Pittsburgh, but we know that's we know that that signing. Pittsburgh does this right. The last few years, they signed their yeah. veteran starter or you know uh batter and then they end up trading him you know <laughs> yeah i think i think the first three months of the year they're selling him on you can start here we're going to give you the ball every five days yeah and then whatever happens happens and then we could trade you to a tenth. yep it's but. it's frustrating that you know for not not really more not just us i should say but more for Pittsburgh Pirate fans. I mean, what are they rooting for here? You know, if they get these kind of signings where, oh, yeah, we're going to sign this guy. Like you said, he's going to start every fifth day. You know, he'll be a solid guy. And then he's going to get traded in July for, you know, two double-A uh, guys or a single-A player that we're not going to yep. care about, you know? So it stinks. <laughs> yeah, and with going back to Yamamoto, I, it's – I I heard the most recent thing was on his East Coast trip, it was just to the New York teams. Right. So he didn't visit with the Red Sox. Um, I, well, wasn't I'm it gonna, LA, those those visits? I think he might. They might have gone out there and and talked with him, but he didn't stop in Fenway when he came to the East Coast. I gotcha. So okay. I'm gonna say it's a, it's outside chance at the best that the Red Sox sign him. I'm gonna say he goes to the Yankees, Mets, or Dodgers. I'll go with the Mets because the Mets need him the most. I think so. I'm I'm gonna be with you. So here I'm. Gonna, I, I thought of this. I figured we, we we could try to work this out. Okay. If we'll, we'll use your team first, and then we'll go to the Yankees. So let's say Boston. Boston signs Yamamoto tonight, right? Whatever the deal is, nine years. Let's go. Let's go 10 years, 300 million. Make it, we'll make it simple for us. Signs for 10 years, 300 million. What's Boston's next move? Like, what are they going to, who, who do you think, or what do you think they go next? I think they go with a trade for, for another pitcher. Um, if you're giving up that much money, and it's, I think it's deserved, uh, it's deserving for Yamamoto. Um, I think they look to an ideal offseason would be Yamamoto and then you pivot to the White Sox and you get Dylan Cease for some of your young prospects. Hmm. 
trade Hauk, trade Duran, do what you have to do, figure it out in that trade machine and get it done. And then all of a sudden you have Yamamoto, Cease, Bayo, Sale. Right, which is not bad. Yeah, that that's that's what I think they would do. Or even better yet, go after a Corbin Burns. He has one year left on Milwaukee. Um, they're kind of in transition. So I think the Red Sox, if that happens, if that plays out, I think they would use their prospect assets and move some of their prospects so that they don't have to give away. I don't think they want to do a $300 million deal and then a $200 million right. for somebody else after that. Okay, so let's flip it over. What so if what do you think the Yankee if the Yankees same contract, Yamamoto is the number two starter for the Yankees, and then that would slot Rodon into three. Right. And then you got um Cortez is number four, and then Schmidt is number five. So that's pretty so would good. You, would you bring back somebody like a Montas or uh if he Giolito, would... maybe on a one year deal? Something like that, because, you know, here's the other thing. I don't know if we, we didn't really talk about this, is he's used to a, a six-man rotation, right? Yamamoto. That's right. So are teams going to automatically go to that, or are they going to just try to force him into the five-game, a five-man rotation? Or that's, it, that's, that's a tricky thing, too, because, you know, if he's used to a six-man, do you want to stretch him out anyway to a six-man rotation just because you're signing him to – such a big deal. So you want him to kind of, you want to extend him a little bit. Um, so that's my thinking. And uh, you, you, you hit the names right on Montas or uh, Giolito, someone like that. I would think the Yankees would pivot to um, along with Yamamoto. And then I think they would try to strengthen the bullpen too. Cause I think the bullpen needs, needs at least one more arm. Um, I don't know if they would go big game hunting with hater, but maybe, uh, Maybe a Jordan Hicks, I could see them going for. Um, and then you got to look at, listen, the positions are set. Unless they trade somebody, I think it's set. Um, so maybe they would include Torres in a deal if they moved. I mean, if they tried to trade for Corbin Burns, like you, like you mentioned earlier, um, or Cease. I don't know if that would work, but um, that's that's what I think. They're you know. I think they they would add another starter, like Montas or Giolito, like a six starter, long man out of the bullpen, whatever whatever direction they go in, and and a bullpen arm to strengthen the bullpen. Um, and so, that would be that'd be a. I mean, that would be if if you get if the Yankees get Yamamoto on top of what they've already done. I think that's an A great give it a grade to the offseason for the Yankees yeah we can't complain so okay so let's flip it the other way let's say the Dodge or let's say the Mets sign him 10 years 300 million dollars we use the same amount what are the Red Sox where do they pivot to I think the Red Sox would pivot right away the next morning to Montgomery give him six years 180 slight overpay i would think whatever it takes to get that done 
And then I, I still think their biggest acquisition is going to be in the trade market. I think they're going to, they have a, they don't, they don't have a glut of top end pitching. They have a, a kind of a, in the middle of the rotation or the back end of the rotation, they have young controllable pitching and they're not sure what they're going to do with it. Garrett Whitlock, Tanner Houck, they have a bunch of outfielders, even after Verdugo was traded. Jared Duran has like four or five years of control left. Um, and then they have prospects, obviously. So I think they're going to look to trade on the trade market for a controllable pitcher. I think Burns makes a lot of sense, like I said, because he's only got one year left. So it wouldn't be as expensive, but he's still a frontline pitcher, so it's going to cost a good amount. So, And then maybe if they can't get Montgomery, I mean, it goes, like we said, it goes downhill really quick. If if the Red Sox don't get Yamamoto, which if I, had to, if I had to pick, I'm saying that he's going to the Mets. And I'm saying that the Mets are going to overpay because I heard Steve Phillips on the radio saying, that Yamamoto might get a 14-year deal. Whoa. And if you're looking at 14 years at $30 million a year, that's 14 for 420? That's, that's That's ridiculous. I'm sorry. That's insane. That's insane. I think I get that he's 25. I understand that free agents usually become free agents at like 30. I would... I would go all out if I'm the Red Sox or the Yankees to get Yamamoto. But after a certain year, I think after 12 years, you got to pump the brakes. Oh, I think after 10, if it's yeah. 10 or 300 million, I think then you got to. I think he's going to get more than 300. I, I think so too. I, I think the Mets are going to go big. And that's why. I think if it stops at 10 years, I think the Mets are going to spend 10 for 350. Yeah. Or they'll tack on a couple of years. You know, like you said, they might go to 12, exactly. 14 years. So I, that, that's why I, if I'm the Yankees, okay, let's say if the numbers start getting crazy like that. Let's say it goes up to 12, 13 years, and the Yankees are like, all right, there's no way. We're going 30-something million dollars for per Even year. Even if it's just 300 and you lose out to another team, take yeah. that 300 and think about what you can do with that spread over two contracts or three contracts. And and that's I think that's what I would do. If I'm the Yankees, I'm gonna pivot. If I don't get Yamamoto, I'm gonna pivot to Montgomery. Like you said, six years, 180. And then I would even go for Josh Hader then. That that's what I would do. With the, with that 300 million, I'm signing Hader and I'm signing Montgomery. And yeah. then then you could add, you know, a Montas maybe or a uh, you know, as your six starter, you know, as your long man, six man, whatever you want to. Just as insurance, because we never have enough pitching, right? We we go over yep. that every year. <laughs> so that that's what I would do. If I'm the Yankees, I would pivot to Montgomery, and I would get Josh Hader. And if you want to go even bigger, add Jordan Hicks and add another bullpen arm and really make that bullpen as strong as possible. You got the, the rotation. Hey, cross your fingers and hope that um, Rodon – figures it out and he's back to what he was um in 2022 and hope that um Cortez is fine too after the shoulder injury Schmidt pitches like he did last year or even improves a little bit and Cole is Cole and you you got your team 
and basically you're showing more importantly too you're showing soto like yeah this is what we do <laughs> we load up every year so if you want to stay with us this is what we're going to do every year we're going to load up every year with stars we're going to sign if somebody doesn't want to come you know come here we go after the next you know we go after the next guy in line so i, I that that's what i would be i would be super aggressive show that okay you don't want our money, uh, 300 million? Okay, we'll get these two guys or th three guys and and just build our roster. Because that might, let's be honest, signing the two or three guys might be the better move than signing Yamamoto yeah. for whatever amount he's going to get, right? He could get, like you said, 12, 14 years. That would be crazy for a guy who has not thrown a pitch yet in the majors. And yeah. The one thing that bothers me about him, I think he's going to be fine. I think he's going to be great. So I'm not saying he's not going to be great. The part that scares me about him is just his body. He's not a big guy, right? He kind of reminds yeah. me of Lincecum, this little skinny guy, great pitcher. But we've seen what happened to Lincecum after a couple of good, great years. That's yeah, I mean, what is he listed at? 5'10", 180? Yeah, I think so. Uh Look, I I think what you laid out for the Yankees makes a lot of sense. I, I know fan bases are have been hearing about Yamamoto for a year or two now. So you want that big splash. But I think I think the Yankees well, no, I know the Yankees are in a different position than the Red Sox are because you have Garrett Cole. You don't need Yamamoto. Yamamoto is Look, he's an upgrade. He's going to be your number two pitcher if you sign him, you know, right away. No questions asked. He's he's an upgrade. But I don't think it's a, a pressing need as much as it is for a team like Boston. Boston kind of is, like I was saying before, they have, <clears throat> they have a bunch of really good three, four, and fives on their roster but they don't have that one impact every fifth day, shut down a losing streak or continual winning streak. You know what you're going to get like a Garrett Cole. Right. And Yamamoto, if he's as good as he's billed to be, I think the Yank I think the Red Sox might have to get into a bidding war and try to, and whether it be giving him opt-outs and give him more average annual value, because I, I wouldn't I wouldn't do what you were saying as far as what I heard from Steve Phillips. I wouldn't go for more years. That to me is too risky. So instead of offering him, like say if the Mets say, say if the Yankees offer him 10 for 300, mm -hmm. and the Mets come back and say, we'll give you 12 for 360. So it's 30 a year each way. I think the Red Sox only thing there that they can do instead of doing 13 or 14 and just keep on tacking on is right. offer him like 35 a year instead of 30 a year and give him opt-outs. Right. After three. So that he can hit free agency after three years or something. Right. Yeah. I think that's the only way the Red Sox get back into this bidding war. Um, I get my hopes up every couple of days when I see reports, but then it's, you know, that's another thing I want to talk about. The reports online, if it's not coming from Passin or Heyman, it's 
to yeah. me, it's just people going for likes and trying to get eyeballs on their tweets. And yeah. it's like, yeah, you can't even get involved. It's all, you know, hearsay at this point. It's like you yeah. said, people just looking for, for likes and stuff. And here's a comparison. Tim Lincecum. He was 5'11", 170. Yamato, 5'10", 177. Yeah. So that's which, that's the part that, that's the only part with him that, because I think he's going to be great. Because every person on TV, all the experts, they say he's a, you know, he's going to be an ace in your rotation and he's young. Everything is great. So I'm not saying he's not going to be good. What bothers me is the size of him. He reminds me of Lincecum, and we've seen what happened to Lincecum, right? He had those three incredible years, back to back to back, and then fell off a cliff. That's why I wouldn't be surprised. I, even with the Yankees and the Mets and the Dodgers in it, I would not be surprised if a fourth team jumps in. I hope it's my Red Sox, but I could see a, a fourth team jumping in, not out of nowhere, but kind of, pun intended, out of left field and just swoop in and give him more money but less years. Yeah. Um, because it's 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 I think it's way too risky to give more than 10 years. We always talk about those 10-year contracts. And, yeah, it's uh, – yeah, I'm sorry. It's a, yeah. If it's it, a lot. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. If it goes more than 10 years – that's when, if I'm the Yankees, I'm saying that's it. Here's the ten year. I'll offer you three twenty. Because, well, what did um, Cole got nine for? Nine for three twenty four or three forty something. Yeah, I think he got thirty five or thirty six a season. Yeah. AAV. I would go. My top would be ten years, three twenty. Because I'm not going to pay you more than Cole. So I'll yeah. say 10 years, I'll give you another year. 10 years, 320, we'll give you an opt-out after five years. You'll be a free agent at 30. You could still cash in with a 10-year deal when you're 30, if you're that good. That's yeah. what I would do. That's all. Bonuses, you know, for Cy Youngs and all that crap. But that I, I think that's fair. And listen, if the if the Mets want to give them 13 years at $35 million a season, then yeah. take it. That's that's what I, if I'm the Yankees, I, I think the, the what the Mets can offer, the the only thing the Mets can offer that the Yankees can't, is you're the ace. Yeah, you're the guy on our team. Well, he, him whether and he wants to be the guy pulling all the weight, putting the weight on his back. I don't know because I think he slots in perfectly for the for the Yankees. Right in between Cole and Rodon. Yeah. Um, but I, what the Mets can offer is something that not many teams out there can offer is you're going to be, you're automatically the face of the franchise right away. It's him and Lindor. And saying, and saying, yeah, but they need, they need pitching. Yeah. They're, they're more desperate. So they're going to go. They're definitely going to offer the most amount. The most amount, I think. You know, yeah. to me, they're, they're going to offer the biggest contract. The Yankees are going to. They could offer them. The only, the only thing that they got as an advantage is the Yankees, right? The franchise, the retired numbers, monument. You know, the history. That's yeah. all that they could 
other than that, the money is going to be the money. It's not going to be as much as the Mets, and I don't think it's going to be as much as the Dodgers. And the Dodgers are going to offer him. You could play with Shohei Otani. You know, that's a positive and a negative, right? Because now, if he's a guy that wants to be the guy on a team, guess what? You're not going to be the guy on the team when you're playing with Shohei Otani. And he's going to be the third behind right. Mickey Betts and Shohei. Right, yeah. Throwing Freeman, you know, Throwing like Throwing Freeman. Once the fans, once the fans get a load of glass now with his surfer look, you might be tied with him. Right. I mean, with the Yankees, listen, you still got Judge, you still got Soto, and you still got Cole. I get it, but it's it's different with the Yankees because the Yankees are always the Yankees and then the players. For me, I don't know. Yeah. Right. When when you think of the Yankees, you think of the Yankees as the franchise. The Dodgers, now you're thinking of, oh, Otani's on the Dodgers. You know, like you're not thinking right. of the Dodgers and then Otani. So I think that's the only thing. And if and if this guy was a, you know, that's the other thing. I don't know if these are if these are altered pitchers. You see him in a Yankee cap and a Yankee jersey, you know, when he was younger. Yeah. I don't know if that's altered or what, but I mean it's possible, right? Because everybody you go to any country anywhere, you always see a Yankee cap somewhere. So yeah. Definitely. Um, uh, yeah. It's it's more than likely. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the only that's the only uh, you know whatever advantage the Yankees have it's that it's you you you're gonna play for us you're gonna play for the Yankees you're gonna have your number retired with Babe Ruth and all those guys. Um, Dodgers have a great history too, so I'm not putting them down. But the Dodgers now are Otani. So yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting. It, I I think. He's got the options there, and I think that's why he's going back to these second uh, meetings because he's trying to get the most as much as he can from the teams because he probably got a really good offer, let's say, from the Mets, and he probably went back to the Yankees and said, listen, they want to give me this much. Are you going to be able to up it, you know, up that deal? Boston, are you going to up it? You know, Dodgers, they, they might say, listen, this is our best offer. Basically take it or leave it, and – if you're going to leave it, tell us so we could start, you know, doing business somewhere else. <laughs> and that's a scary thought that the Dodgers are still doing business. It's crazy. Um, and because they made that deal with Otani folding, you know, all that deferring all that money, they could do it. They could add all these guys. That's why they added glass now. And they're trying to add Yamamoto. Where are they going to go next? If they, if they can't get Yamamoto, you know, like what's their move? I, I could see them going after Blake Snell. And I think that's a great spot for him. Yeah. Right? West Coast, stay there. You know, I think that's a great that's a great spot for him. Don't come back to the East, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think that, that makes a lot of sense. I also – I just heard rumors that the Angels are talking with Blake Snell. I don't know if Blake Snell is talking with the Angels. I don't know if it's a one-way <laughs> conversation. Right. But – yeah, at this point, like I said, a lot of these rumors are just that rumors. Um, there's certain there's certain people in the media that I pay attention to, and once they start tweeting and reporting, then I, so I think Yamamoto is going to take at least another week, and he's going to kind of hold up the off season here. So, yeah, and I I think you said it before, MLB has to do something with the free agency period now they have to do something because they can't 
hold back the whole like this is holding back the sport. You know, with all this waiting, we waited forever for Otani and nothing was coming out about Otani. So we didn't even know money, who was interested, who was, you know, like we we knew nothing. So you yeah, know, that that's why that's the only reason why I threw in the possibility that a surprise team could jump in with Yamamoto at the end. Yeah, I, I could see the Giants. He, could, he could play the Yankees against the Mets, go back and forth, see what the Dodgers say, and then all of a sudden a team could jump out. It could be Boston. It could be the Cubs. It could be San Francisco. Who knows? Hey, isn't that what happened with Judge last year? Didn't the Giants come in late or the Padres? I think it was the Giants. Didn't they offer him more? Yeah, I think it was the Giants. Yeah. But I think yeah. the Padres offered too. And the Giants did sign um, the center fielder, the Korean center fielder, late. Yeah. Six That's... years, I think 113. Yeah. I mean, they had to spend their money somewhere, and he's he's a young, really good hitter, but a, also a plus defensive outfielder. So I think he's going to be – He's going to be asked to be like a table setter right at the top of the lineup, play center field for the next six years. And because they've been they've been trying to spend their money the last couple off seasons. Yeah. And mm-hmm. no one's been taking their money. No. So they, they could be that mystery team that you're talking about. You know, the Giants, because they want to spend. If they were willing to give almost 400 million to judge last year and then a bunch to Correa. If they contract for 113 you got to think they still have some more money to spend you buy into someone brought it up a couple of days ago about um the giants are having a hard time signing players because of what mm. people think of the city or something like that and i, I, I could see maybe not the city because uh, look i've never been to san francisco so i can't I've only heard great things. I've talked to a few. Yeah, uh, look, the ballpark is amazing. It looks yeah. amazing. Yeah. It's right on the water. California weather. Um, the one thing I could think of is, are you in the shadow of the Dodgers? That type of thing. I know it's Northern California and Southern California, so it's not literally right there. But you don't have the Hollywood type of shine to it. Right. And then free agents are looking maybe at the taxes. Because I think Otani's contract, I think when all said and done, I look, 700 million, he'll he'll scrape by. He'll make do. Yeah, he'll be all right. <laughs> but I think up to 53% of that is going to be taxed. Wow. Because California has, I think, 13% state income tax on top of the federal and all the other fees and stuff. So, well, New York is is pretty bad too. Yeah, New York. Look, but if if you're getting a team from Florida or a team from Texas, look what the Rangers have done recently. Yeah. If the Rangers offer you four hundred million, and a team in California or New York offers you four hundred million, it's not the same. Right. It's take off thir- take off thirteen percent. So that's another ten percent is four forty million off of four hundred. It's a lot of money. <laughs> when yeah. you think about it. So that's the only thing I could think of because other than that, why would you not want to play nice weather? I mean, if you're a foreign player, it's closer to home. It's closer to Japan on the West Coast. 
So I, I don't understand why you wouldn't pay yeah. Yamamoto or somebody like that. But as far as other free agents, I don't know. Maybe it's the whole it's it's the whole thing like who's their marquee player? Do you want to go there and who are you teaming up with? Right, because you you're gonna be the marquee player on the Giants, right? Right, now. and I don't and I'm not saying that these free agents are scared to be the marquee player because look, they've reached a level where they know they're the guy, but who are they teaming up with? Right. Are they worried about maybe like the rest of their plan to improve? Yeah. Them? Like you're like, okay, like, you could bring me in, but who else? <laughs> exactly. There's not enough there. I mean, we've seen it. They I mean, get- Logan Webb is a really underrated pitcher. They have some young pitching coming up. Um, they always make do. They, they always bring in veterans and we look at their roster every year. And we're like, I don't know how they're doing this. Right. And then they win. So I'm not saying they're a bad team at all. I think there's something. Yeah, I think it's just a combination of everything. I, I I don't think, though, it's the city of San Francisco or people don't want to go there. I think it always looks beautiful when you see, like you said, the stadium looks great. The city, I've only heard great things about it. So I, I don't I don't think it's that either. I think it's. I think it's a combination of the team itself. You know, I think that to me, that's the most important one. If Because if the money is, is close, you're going to go to the better team yeah. in a location that you want to go to. Right. Yeah. And that's not putting down San Fran, but they might, you know, if you get a better offer, wherever it might be, whether it's like you said, Texas or New York or something like that, that might be your preferred location and, and then say also you're say you're the number one guy on the team. You're getting that 10-year deal. But the problem with the Giants is right now, as they're currently constructed, if they sign Yamamata, he's the first move out of many other moves. When do those other moves happen? Do they have to wait until next offseason? Right. So then all of a sudden you're waiting a year or two. I know they just they just signed the outfielder. They do have Logan Webb, like I said. But if you go to the Yankees, you already have Judge. You already have Soto. You have Cole, Rodon. You have a good bullpen. Like pieces are there. You don't have to wait. Right. So it's true. I I think we I think we covered it. I think it's a it's a combination of a couple of things. You know, it's not just one thing. It's not just oh. Yeah, I don't want to live in San Fran. I, I don't think that's a, at all. <laughs> yeah. So And then bringing it back to our teams. Yeah. Um, Dylan Lawson, Red Sox hired him to be a hitting coordinator. Um, he's going to be working with the Red Sox upper-level minor leaguers. Um, if that name sounds familiar, it's because he was with the Yankees for, what, the past four years, four and a half? And before that, he was with the Astros. Okay. He joined the Yankees in 2018, became the major leagues uh, club hitting coach prior to the 2022 season. So he was the major league hitting coach for a year and a half. He was in the organization for a bunch of years before that. Um, It just feels weird that there's all this, like, back and forth between our teams. Yeah. It is. I mean, with the Verdugo trade, 
but we already went over it. I think it makes sense for both sides. We need some pitching depth. If they're not going to re-sign Verdugo with one year of control left, you might as well trade him now because if you wait till the deadline, you probably only get one of those pitchers. So it makes sense. And the Yankees needed some left-handed hitting. Um, and look, Dylan Lawson, it, it just struck me as odd at first, but you kind of talked me into it. It makes sense. Um, he's not, he's not going to be the major league hitting coach. So, and he did work well with the minor leaguers with prospects coming up with the Yankees in the past. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, it worked. He worked very well with the minor leaguers. It was working with the major leaguers is where there was a disconnect with him or they just weren't clicking. So, but he did work well with the minor leaguers and let's see how it works out with, with, you know, with you guys. I, I think it's a, in that sense, I think it's a good move um, to move him up to the majors. Um, I, you know, I don't know, maybe he learned whatever he had to learn from this experience with the Yankees. And so, but uh, yeah, as a minor league, you know, hitting instructor, why not? And then the other move that involves both our teams again is Jeter Downs going to the Yankees. I think he's going to be, I think you said it perfectly right before we started the show. He's going to be a triple A piece. He's still only 25. So he's going to get a shot eventually. Some big league team. I don't know if it's, it's going to be hard to crack the Yankees roster, especially in the infield, but you know, you don't want injuries, but if injuries happen, he'll come up and I don't know what he'll produce, but. That's now that makes two out of the three people in the Mookie Betts trade. That Mookie went out to LA. Red Sox got three players. Two of them are now in the Yankees. It's incredible. <laughs> that is incredible. It's unbelievable. And to be honest, it's the the top two guys in that deal too, right? Yeah, the headliners. The two headliners. Jeter Downs went from, and I was looking up his. And I know stats aren't everything when it comes to prospect rankings and whatnot, but I think he was a 250 hitter in the minor leagues in his career. Wow. So I don't know if the Dodgers sold the Red Sox high on it, but if he was the headliner, yeah, it was. um, That's why there's certain teams that when they want to trade with you, like we always say with Tampa Bay, yeah. Dodgers are another one of those teams where you kind of kind of pause for a second. But that brings us to the glass now trade where Tampa Bay and the Dodgers working together in a move. And I think it's going to – I think short-term it's going to help the Dodgers because they got the best player in the trade. But I think long-term, I think Tampa Bay wins this deal because, A, I'm not convinced glass now – He's going to be healthy for these five-year contract that he just signed. And Margot is, what, one more year of control? Yeah. Margot is a good piece on this team. I think between him and Hayward, the lefty-righty split in the outfield, veteran leadership, that's fine. I'm going to go out on a limb and say Tampa Bay is going to win this trade. I'm going to say the pitcher, Pepio, is going to outperform Glass now over the next five years. Yeah. And it's going to be at like a tenth of the price. Yeah. Yeah. Signing glass now, I I still don't agree with that at all. 
um, you know, we, we, we went over it earlier, but I mean, his career, he's just not been good. I mean, his career, like I said, is the most he's ever won was this past year. He won 10 games. Other than this, he was the most wins he ever had was six in a season. The most starts before this season was 14, 15, oh, 14. I wonder if the Dodgers included more in the trade because they said, look, we need time to do an extension with him. You're right. That could be. Like it's not just that one year of control. Yeah. Because they took on Margot's contract. I wonder, I, I know Tampa Bay doesn't have many bad contracts, but I wonder if the Dodgers would almost rather have taken on another contract. Like give us your worst contract and last now for the year, and we'll give you less prospects. Take on Franco. <laughs> if they took on Franco's contract, yeah, that, you're not getting Pepe out back. You're not getting right. But I, I just I, I think that look once you trade for Glass now you have to extend it. So I understand, but that's I think that's a it's a big risk. So yeah, that's yeah. It, Glass now they better hope he's a hundred percent healthy now for the next five years. Yeah, and right now their rotation. And we've been saying it, they need they needed to fill a couple spots in that rotation and they're starting to. But they still have some work to do, as crazy as it sounds. They've yeah, spent they, over they've spent almost nine hundred million this offseason and they still have work to do. Think about it. Are are they better than the Diamondbacks yet? I think you can make a case that last year was just one of those years for Diamondbacks. That now, I think if you're the Dodgers, you've you got to tell yourself, look, what are the chances Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman combined have two hits in a playoff series again? Right. <laughs> That's it. I, not but, to discount what the Diamondbacks did, because, look, I, I love the Diamondbacks. I love their run to the World Series. But I think that was just the perfect storm last year. I think so, too. So I, I think over the long term, the Dodgers, I think you got to put them slightly ahead. Um, do they need Kershaw to come back? Yes. Do they need those young pitchers to take a next step? Yeah. And then I think they still need to add another. I think what they need is an innings eater. Yeah, I think so too. Just like a middle to back end of the rotation, a veteran that you can plug in for 150 innings. Yeah. I'm I'm with you because I still think Arizona's got the better rotation than them. Yes. Right. I mean, you got Gallon, you got Kelly, you got Fod, and Eduardo Rodriguez. And now you got Eduardo Rodriguez, and then you know you add in whoever you want to add in as the fifth. That's a pretty good rotation. Yeah. <laughs> and we've seen what they could do in the playoffs. So yep. they could obviously hang in. Their their bullpen is solid. Um. And their offense, they they re-signed uh, Goriel. Yeah, three years, forty-two million with yeah. a fourth-year option. So that lineup is basically the same as last year. I don't think they lost anybody. Yeah, so look, I I think, and the Padres are going to hope to have a big bounce back year. The Giants will find a way to be in it. 
I think it's I'm not saying that Dodgers are just gonna run away with the division, but definitely not. <laughs> um yeah, they have some more they have some more work to be done. Yeah, I agree. Because listen, when they're healthy, when when that rotation was healthy, yeah, that was a pretty good but everybody got hurt at, at some point. So that's I think that's to me is the biggest problem with them is is health with that rotation. And the lineup is is good, even with Otani. I think it's it's pretty good. But I think like you said about the Diamondbacks, you could say almost the same thing about the Dodgers because you had Hayward having a resurgent kind, you know, type of a season. You got Outman out there, young kid, Chris Taylor, you know, he is what he is. Um, Max Muncy at third. Lux is going to be the shortstop. Betts is second. Freeman and Smith. So that's a pretty good lineup. Yeah. You know, but I I think they got to add pitching no matter what. So if they don't get Yamamoto, I, they got to add one of those top guys. Yeah. Without a doubt, in my mind. I think they got to add whether it's uh, Montgomery or Snell. I think they got to add one of them because now you got, now their rotation looks at glass now. Bobby Miller. Walker Bueller and Sheehan. Yeah, he was the other guy. I really like Bobby Miller. He's going to have to take a big step forward this year, in his second year. Yeah. And yeah, I think you said it perfect. I think Blake Snell would fit perfectly there. Yep. And you got Dustin May coming back, Gonsolin yeah. coming back, Bueller's coming back from an injury. So that's the other thing. You're getting all these guys back, but they're all coming back from injuries. So it's good, but question marks, like with the Yankees. you got guys coming back, but they're also coming back from injury. So could go either way. But, um, yeah, I think – and and I think we're pretty confident that the Dodgers are going to make a move after this. <laughs> you <Yes>. know, <laughs> they might make uh, the trade for either Seesaw or Burns too. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> right their farm system they just pull out names oh yeah you want those three yeah okay you know <laughs> so yeah and then it was uh i was looking it over today i think they were announced today or late yesterday um three new red sox hall of famers to the red sox hall of fame not major league baseball hall of fame uh dustin Bedroya, Jonathan Papelbon and Trot Nixon. You got, I guess, every two years, um, Red Sox broadcasters, executives vote on this. And Pedroia, since he had his number retired and his retirement ceremony, he's automatically in the class. Nixon and Papelbon, I, Papelbon definitely deserves it. Trot Nixon, I loved as, as he was like a gritty in in those 2003, 2004 teams. Yep. Um, and I think the they had to have played at least three years with the Red Sox to be eligible for nomination and had had to be out of uniform as an active player for at least three years. So the, two, the 2020 class was because of COVID was pushed back to 2022 and that was kind of a big time class. That was David Ortiz and Manny Ramirez. So 
Now it's Pedroia, Papelbon, Trot Nixon. I could see further down the line guys like Euclid, um John Lester, names like that. Yeah. And, and I think more teams should do like their own Hall of Fame. Not quite a retired number, but like what you do with Monument Park, but not quite the retired number where it's right. like retired number etched in stone, where it's. Yeah. That's because not... there's a lot of Hall of Very Good players out there. Yeah. <laughs> no, definitely. So. But it's what they meant to the team. That's what puts them. You know, exactly. but that's but that brings up the argument: Should they have their numbers retired because they weren't an all-time great? They might be a great Yankee for those years, but were they an all-time great player? So that makes you kind of say, okay, should he have been retired? Like to me, Reggie Jackson, great player and all that, Hall of Famer, obviously, but he was only with the Yankees five years. Yeah, you know, should they have retired his number? I don't know. I think you can make the case for pretty much everybody in Monument Park and the retired numbers for the Yankees. Other than, I think the only ones you could really argue are Reggie and, for me, I would argue Roger Maris. Right. That's the other one. But for but that, what he did in 61. Right. But that's why you have monuments and that's why you have a Hall of Fame. Yeah. You know, and they do, they have monuments, but some of them, you know, don't have their numbers retired. Right. So, you know, he did play seven years. So he played two more years than Reggie with Roger Maris. But Roger Maris is, you know, the 61, he back to back MVPs also. That's why he got it. You know, that's why he retired. Yeah. So I get it. Yeah. I, listen, I'm, I'm not saying don't retire these numbers, I think it's great. Um, but I think anytime you can bring the past back to a new set of fans, a new yeah. generation, that's what they're doing. Um, but you know, Papelbon and Pedroia definitely, Trot Nixon is a perfect example of he meant more to the Red Sox than he did to baseball at large. Um, and uh, it makes sense. So if it brings younger fans, I can't believe I'm saying this. It's going to be next year is going to be the 20th anniversary of 2004, the championship team. <laughs> so there's fans out there that are like, oh, way back in that time <laughs> when there was a curse, you know, like all the way back in, in, the, in the early in the far off distance. <laughs> it's crazy to think. It is. Time just flies by. And do you think they're yeah, going to end up retiring anymore? Yeah. What, do you think there's going to be another number retired by Boston? Or who do you think is the next number to be? I thought if I thought if they if they did it correctly, it should have been John Lester. John Lester, if they didn't, if they didn't basically unload him to, um, and have him finish out his career with the Cubs. I thought John Lester should have finished up the uh, Red Sox and he could have been like our version of like Andy Pettit. Right. So that would have been my guess. Um, I, I like, I like to, as far as retired numbers, I like to keep it very selective. I'm trying to think of the next Red Sox. 
Mm. Ortiz is, yeah, his number is Pedroia. Pedroia. And then after that, I would say hopefully Devers. What about Veritek? Yeah, Ver yeah, that's a good one. Veritek definitely deserves something because uh I think he caught what five no hitters? Something like that. Um just like a, a manager on the field. I thought he was the heart and soul of some of those teams that won titles. Uh that's a good call. He's I I just like that it's not you know, you get a number retired. You, you know what I mean? Like, all right, here's, I, all right, here's one. I'm, I'm looking at it now, and I'm shocked that his his number is not retired. Dwight Evans. Yes, that that's a really good one. Dwight that, Evans. I'm shocked that he isn't in the Hall of Fame. Right, 19 years as a Boston Red Sox. Is it just I mean, played one year? If, with you, if you look at the history of the team, like some of. The, the best history is you can make an argument is left field and right field for the Red Sox. Right. Between Stramski, Ted Williams, Jim, but it's Jim Rice and Dwight Evans in the outfield in those times. Yeah. It went from, there's a direct line through the decades from Williams to Stramski to Jim Rice to Dwight Evans in the eighties. I mean, he wasn't the greatest, but he was definitely. He wasn't the greatest, but he was, he was very good for a long time. Right, great. And I think to get your number retired, look, back then, you can't. It's tough to compare eras, but you, you can't say with the Red Red Sox are one of those organizations where you can't say, well, he didn't win a title, so you can't retire his number, because then you'd have no retired numbers for what eighty something years. So. I think he was a very good player. I think if I could see the argument for him not being in the Major League Hall of Fame, but I definitely think he should be in the Red Sox retired number. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, 19 years as a Boston. Are they still on good terms? Like, does he show up for spring training and stuff like that? Or He shows up to stuff, yeah. Yeah, okay, so he's still on good terms. Yeah. Yeah, and I was watching, speaking of on good terms, I was watching the countdown for MLB Network's greatest games uh, in the past week or two. Did you see these? No, I didn't. I'm sorry. And the top five were, like, it was just like incredible games, obviously, but they did the 86 game and they had Bill Buckner and Mookie Wilson talking with Bob Costas and going through the game. And it was just oh, incredible yeah. stuff. Like the greatest games countdown. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, I remember that. Yep. And the other game, I mean, obviously, you take your pick from every, any type of big playoff game and they had it listed. And it was just, it was that. And the past couple of weeks, MLB Network's done a really good job of, they're doing the, the all-time nine at every position, modern era, the nine greatest at every position. And some of, this, some of the positions are just stacked. I mean, yeah, it's third base, I think it's eight Hall of Famers and Adrian Beltre as number nine. <laughs> and we know he's going in. Yeah, so it's everybody on the, on the third base list is a Hall of Famer. Yeah, it's I, – I, and so far, you know, the guy that tracks it on Twitter, the votes, the Hall yeah. of Fame votes so far, 
so far, I think Beltre has got 100%. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think he should get sure. 100%, but I think he should be right. He should be really close. And you got to give me a really good argument why you're that one person. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Just like, you know, you hate to bring it up, but Jeter was one, one you know, one yeah, person I, I, for him. That was just stupid, you know? Yeah. I, I can understand the argument that nobody is 100%. Like if, okay, Rivera was, Rivera was 100%, right? Uh, yes, he's the only one so far. Yeah. I could understand if you said, look, Babe Ruth was not 100%, so no one's going to be. But yeah, but then someone actually has to not vote. For but then exactly, I'm going <laughs> through the mechanics of it, and I'm like, does somebody raise their hand before the voting and say, "I'll take the bullet for this one"? <laughs> right. Like I'll be the guy this time. You, I don't you do it next year. I'll be the guy this year. Yeah, that part. Like, do you I don't want that on your resume? You know, covered Major League Baseball for 25 years, was a part of the Hall of Fame voting, was a beat reporter, and did not vote Derek Jeter. <laughs> I don't know if you want that on your on on the back of the card stats. Yeah, I'm, I, yeah, I I don't understand it. So, <laughs> like, but <laughs> but no, like I said, on on right. the other side of the coin, it's like Babe Ruth didn't get in hundred percent. Like some of these guys that didn't make hundred percent, it's just incredible. Like who's right. not no, voting for Willie Mays? Right, those guys obviously deserve to get hundred percent. Why they didn't? I don't know though that the way they voted back then is probably dumb. You know, yeah. I don't know. They all, some of them probably held grudges. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe some of them were racist. That's why I didn't want to do, you know, Willie Mays 100%. Or with the media back then, you didn't cover the National League, West Coast. Right. It's a whole Yeah. That's why it's it's hard to compare um you know, the different eras and not just with yeah. the players but also in this way, in, in the vote, you know, the, the Hall of Fame voting. Well, if he didn't get 100 percent, this guy. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's one of the. Look, I, I do it. I, I try to keep it simple. Adrian Beltre is. You don't have there's certain players when you say their name. Yeah. You, you don't kind of put a question mark at the end of it. Like. Right. You say like David Wright. Right. <laughs> injuries. No championship. I don't know. Dot, dot, dot. Right, he didn't have the longevity. Like, Beltre. what if? Yeah, Beltre is just Adrian Beltre. Right, the guy's He's a Hall of Famer. I mean, you could put him up. Hit for him. average, hit for power, yeah. has the career hits, has yeah. the defense at a premium position. I mean, he's one of the the five best third basemen of all time. Yeah, easily. It's it's yeah. it's crazy. Yeah, I that's why I'm not a big, you know. Oh, but this guy got this, and I I hate those arguments. I just hate them because you can't compare. Right, it's apples and oranges. Yeah, exactly. It's just it's impossible. So, yep. And then the other thing, real quick, that jumped out to me in the last week or so was the MLB draft lottery. Um, I think it happened right when we went on the air last week. Uh, the Cleveland Guardians get the number one pick hmm. after everything Oakland didn't do last year in terms of just didn't win, did nothing on the field. <laughs> I think they got the fourth or sixth pick. I love this lottery system. I love where you cannot just tank and get the number one pick. Right. 
I love that. Look, at the end of the year, if you're the worst team, you get the best percentage to get the number one pick, but it's a lottery. It's a true luck of the draw. Everybody has a chance to make the playoffs. And the Guardians get the number one pick. The Reds get the number two pick. I think the worst, two worst teams, Kansas City and Oakland, had the fourth and sixth pick. Yeah, so losing does not pay out all the time. And so you might- can't just say, we're not going to pay. We're going to rebuild. We're going to tear it down. I like the fact that it's kind of an even uh, somewhat level playing field in that terms. And I, and I like it because it looks like, you know, these other teams actually have a shot at the top one, two, three a pick. Because when you look at the NBA draft lottery, it's usually, it usually goes the same way, you know? Yeah. Like you don't get a team like the Reds who didn't have the second worst um, chances, record, right? Last year, they were pretty, they, they just missed the playoffs. Yeah, the Reds were in it to the final weekend of the season. Yeah. And they so, get the number two pick. That's awesome. Right. And first, for a small to mid-market major, like a mid-major market, you need that. Yeah, exactly. But, um, yeah, I mean, again, we're waiting on Yamamoto. And I know it's going to – We, John Heyman said it's going to happen in the next week or two. I'm going to say – I'm going to go out on a limb and say – it's going to happen on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. I'm hoping in between, so. in between episodes, but waiting on Yamamoto. And then I, I have a feeling that Snell and Montgomery are going to fall in line after that pretty quickly. Yeah. I, yeah, I think once the Yamamoto is done, it's, I think the floodgates open up, you know, yep. and, you know, then the big names are going to start going off one at a time. I was hoping like, I was hoping at least Bellinger would start getting would start. Yeah, the only thing I heard about him is obviously he wants a lot of money, but he said that he he wants over two hundred. I think he'll get it. I think so too, because listen, a team that was willing to spend three hundred million on Yamamoto is going to say, "Oh, look at all this money we have left now." You know, let's there's an opening. You know, if there's a spot like Toronto, I would think would need a center fielder because Kermai is a free agent. They could use and they're going to lose Matt Chapman too, right? So they could definitely sign Bellinger without a doubt. I mean, they were trying to get Otani; they were close to getting him. So I, I personally think Toronto's the team. I mean, them or them or the. I, I think the Cubs are crazy not to sign him because obviously he yeah. likes playing there. I think he makes too much sense for Toronto. Yeah, it, because you have all those right-handed bats. You have George Springer, Bichette, and Vladdy. Yeah. You put a lefty in the middle of that, yeah. in Bellinger, that top four, that's a really good four lineup right there. Top even, top of the lineup. Even if they don't bring back uh, Chapman, you know, get somebody else at third. And But, yeah, yeah. I think Bellinger is, is key there. I, I don't know why the Cubs have it. The Cubs make no – to me, they don't make any sense. I mean, they – They haven't done anything. They just right. – they overpaid for a manager, and then they're <laughs> giving them nothing to work with. Right, who – like usually you do it the other way you get the players and then right <laughs> you bring in the manager at the end and figure it out you usually but, don't pay for a manager too so yeah we'll see how that works out but yeah and the the last thing is 100 days to opening day so the countdown is starting and uh yeah and soon we'll have to figure out hopefully once all these 
I, I think the biggest moves are going to be after Yamamoto are going to be, there's going to be some trades. I still think there's going to be a bunch of trades with like C Dylan Cease, Corbin Burns, maybe Bieber. Um, and, uh, and a couple that we're not sure of yet that we don't see coming, but I think there's going to be a bunch of trades and then we'll, we'll be going in spring training in no time. And then um, I know the Red Sox are playing in the Dominican this spring training against the Rays. That should be kind of fun. And they open up the season in Korea, I think this year. And every year it's starting earlier and earlier. So it's in March. So before you know it, we'll have to get our picks and our predictions in. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's incredible. I'm tired. And I love that they're going to have these prospects playing against each other. Yes. That's a good one. Yeah. It's, um, it's led by Jackson holiday, but I know the Yankees are going to do it with Spencer Jones. Yeah. And the Red Sox are doing it with their number two prospect, Roman Anthony, the outfielder who we were talking about last episode jumped up in the rankings for them this year. Mm. So Every team, it seems like, is getting younger and more talented every year. And what better way to sell the game than to show the young talent coming up? Yeah, I, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, I think that was a great move by the by the league to do that. So, yep. So that was episode one twenty eight of Talking Rivals. Um, you can find us on Twitter or X at Talking Rivals. You can find Chris at CP Seven NY. I'm at Patrick Trotty. Uh, we're covering Yankees, Red Sox, rest of baseball. And uh, you can find us wherever you find your podcasts. Also, give us a like, a subscribe, a listen. We appreciate it. Uh, you can also find us at sportswireradio.org. That's Sportswire with a Z. And you can check out the other good shows on the website and follow along with Station Manager at Thomas Bryce 2017. And uh, until next week, uh, have a good one. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. See you next week.